Welcome to the Women's Health Wisdom in Wine podcast, a bi-weekly conversation with practitioners, providers, patients, and healers about complex reproductive medicine and women's health challenges, the value of an integrative approach to these challenges, many of the women's health topics you're already thinking about but uncomfortable talking about, and my personal favorite, wine. I'm your host, Dr. Lorena White, an integrative reproductive medicine and women's health provider, licensed acupuncturist, clinical herbalist, and a former labor support doula in the Washington, D.C. metro area. My goal is to bring women's health-specific evidence and expertise to the forefront of daily health and wellness news through informative conversations. If you have ideas, questions, and specific topics that you would like us to cover in future podcast episodes, please leave them in the comments section or send us an email. To learn more, visit the website at www. LorenaWhite.com. As you enjoy the podcast, conversations, and wine time, please remember that this podcast is not designed to be a substitute for a bona fide relationship with a licensed or certified healthcare professional. September is Polycystic Ovarian Syndrome Awareness Month. This month, yes, the entire month of September, we're switching up our podcast format as we transition from bi-weekly to weekly episodes. Each week during this month, You'll be hearing from me as I talk about PCOS from background and causal factors to case studies and integrative healing solutions. PCOS is one of the most common and most often misdiagnosed ovulatory disorders in women's health. This month is dedicated to raising awareness, educating the public, and conquering PCOS. You can help spread awareness by wearing teal throughout the month or simply pinning the teal ribbon on your clothing. Okay, let's get started. Polycystic Ovarian Syndrome Awareness Month. And so far we have covered a lot of ground. We've talked about the background, some of the causal effects, the genetic component, the metabolic disorder with reproductive health functions and features. Um, We've also talked about how we get a diagnosis. We've talked about just in general what the signs and the symptoms are what that looks like, the constellations of signs, what the difference between a sign and a symptom is. And now we're going to move on to diagnosis. I think this is a very important part of the polycystic ovarian syndrome constellation because oftentimes some of the things aren't done, but yet one is diagnosed with polycystic ovarian syndrome. So we first want to talk about the physical exam. So typically, when you go to see your gynecologist or your doctor or your primary care provider, they take your blood pressure, they look at your BMI by comparing your height and weight, they measure your waist circumference, and sometimes they'll make some observations. And oftentimes, in general, outside of blood pressure and doing your height and weight, they don't really measure waist circumference um, or even take it into account changes in your physical appearance, looking at your extra hair on your face, looking at your chest and your back, seeing if there's different presence or more of acne, any discoloration on your skin. And again, that discoloration on your skin, especially in your neck folds, underneath your breast, 
that is due to the hyperinsulinemia and the ineffectiveness of the insulin that's in your blood. Taking into consideration the hair loss and any other signs or health conditions, even an enlarged thyroid, because then we'll be able to compare and contrast the diagnoses, whether there's hyperthyroid or hyperthyroid, hyper or hypothyroid, and also being able to rule some things out before we get to a diagnosis of PCOS. And the pelvic exam, looking for signs of extra male hormones, for example, an enlarged clitoris and enlarged or swollen ovaries. The presence of enlarged ovaries will give us not only the inquiry into the size, but the reason for the size. Is it the male hormones that are causing that enlarged size, or is it in conjunction those cluster of cysts that's making the ovary larger than it should be? Next in line is the blood test. Again, we're looking at the androgen levels. And here's where we start getting closer to making a diagnosis of polycystic ovarian syndrome. In a woman, hormone levels are so important because it does really take in consideration the entire menstrual cycle. And men and women, we both have estrogen, we both have testosterone and other related androgens. However, we have them in different quantities, qualities, and percentages. So when we take a blood test and we look at androgen hormone levels, those hormone levels need to be appropriate for the phenotype and the sex or gender that is being represented. So other hormone levels um, that can be related to other common health problems can also be making, mistaken for PCOS, like thyroid, what we just talked about. So before we look at the other levels of hormones, we want to look at what are the thyroid hormones looking like as well. We want to look at cholesterol levels and we want to look at glucose levels because then we'll be able to see is insulin doing its job, is insulin not doing its job, and is the glucose high or is it even trending that way. Next, we want to you know talk about the actual menstrual, the menstrual cycle. Are you getting periods at a regular interval every 28 to 35 days and that range is healthy? Is it is your menstrual cycle coming every 21 days? Is your menstrual cycle coming every 42 days? Have you even had a menstrual cycle? Is it too irregular to even count in terms of interval and frequency? Those are the things that we would like to look up, look at because if it's too short, you may not even have time to ovulate. If it's too long, you may be ovulating, but are you ovulating an egg? Are you ovulating a quality egg? Are you ovulating an egg that is has genetic material? All those things we need to take into consideration. And then a pelvic ultrasound. Obviously, that doesn't necessarily happen in office, but during a workup, one would need a pelvic ultrasound to see if there is a presence of ovaries with cysts. And then we need to check the endometrium, the lining of the uterus, to also see if there's any other possible complications that could have repercussions based on these, not just the exam, but the other signs and symptoms that we previously talked about in the weeks before. The end changes in endometrial lining and potential risk for endometrial cancer. So when we talk about types of PCOS, this is pretty much how conventional medicine breaks this up. So there are four types, and we're going to call them 
type A, just for this conversation, so we can keep them straight, type A, which is the inflammatory P PCOS, the type B, the insulin resistant PCOS, the type C, the post pill PCOS, and type D, the adrenal PCOS. So we've talked about the three major common signs and symptoms, one related to androgen, two related to periods, and three related to polycyst polycystic ovaries or enlarged ovaries. So when we talk about the inflammatory type of PCOS, type A, if you want to make a chart, you can, so you can have a visual and see pretty much where you may or may not fall. And again, some people are going to have overlapping signs and symptoms in that aren't clear in either type, but again, they're going to fall more or less into these four categories. So when we talk about inflammatory PCOS or type A, we're looking at someone who has definitive high androgens and the symptoms associated with those, that androgen level, high androgen level. We're also going to be looking at someone who has irregular periods and may or may not be ovulating each month and someone who has cysts on their ovaries. So we definitely have a clear sign of cysts on ovaries, irregular periods, and high androgen levels with the associated symptoms. That's the inflammatory type A PCOS presentation. Moving to type B, with those same three cat characteristics or features, we have a person who has high androgen levels and associated symptoms, irregular periods, or and or an ovulation, not ovulating every month. However, there are no cysts on her ovaries. So this is what we would call the insulin resistant type PCOS. So <clears throat> we're gonna be focusing on those hormone levels as a cause of her period being irregular and potentially not ovulating. And that's due to insulin resistance. So we've done through inflammatory type A PCOS that pretty much has all three of the cardinal features, high androgens, irregular periods, and cysts on ovaries. And then type B, which is the insulin resistant type of PCOS that has the high androgens, the irregular periods, but no cysts on ovaries, which moves us to type C, which is the post pill PCOS. Many of the women that I see in the office have been on birth control for years. And I'm not talking about on and off for two or three years, but on and off or consistently even for decades. It's anywhere between 10 and 20 years. And so again, being on a synthetic birth control, especially the pill, is definitely going to affect one's hormones and hormone levels. So we're going to see the post-pill type of presentation where one has high androgen levels with associated symptoms, regular periods, meaning anywhere between 28 and 35 days on that regular interval with cysts on the ovaries. So now we're looking at the difference between type A and type C. The inflammatory type and the post-pill type is that the periods are regular. So still have high androgen levels with symptoms, cysts on ovaries, but regular period at a regular interval. All right. And that difference differs from type B in that both have high androgen levels. However, the period is regular. And again, type B has no cysts on ovaries and the ovaries appear healthy and normal, which moves us to type D, the last type, the fourth type, where we have adrenal PCOS or adrenal PCOS presentation. 
the androgen levels are normal. So in terms of androgens, estrogen, pretty much normal hormone panel. However, the periods are coming at an irregular interval and there are cysts on ovaries. So now we have three different, four different types, three that have high androgens. So the androgens are high in type A, type B, and type C. Irregular periods are found in type A, type B, and type D. And cystic, polycystic ovaries are found on A, C, and D. So now you see how that overall mixture of signs and symptoms can kind of resort and recombine to get four different types of PCOS presentation based on those three cardinal signs. And those signs are again, the high androgen levels with associated symptoms, irregular periods, which again will affect ovulation and the presence or absence of polycystic ovaries. And the four different types, again, type A inflammatory, where you have high androgens associated with the male pattern-like symptoms, irregular periods or ovulation and polycystic ovaries, an insulin resistant type PCOS, which has high androgens, irregular periods and ovulation, yet normal present presenting ovaries with no cysts, type C, which is the post pill PCOS, high androgens with associated symptoms, regular periods in between 28 and 35 day intervals, and polycystic ovaries, and type D with normal androgen levels, no symptoms, irregular periods, and ovulation, and cysts on the ovaries, and that's the adrenal type. So yeah, so when you come into the office, what I like to do is kind of pretty much put myself through a algorithm where I'm looking at all of these things. So I'm asking the questions and questions that you can ask too, so that you can advocate for yourself. And my main question is, am I really dealing with someone who has a PCOS diagnosis? So if I'm looking at all the signs and symptoms and I can say, okay, is this really PCOS? Because there's maybe a thyroid condition and insulin levels and glucose levels and there's no, you know, androgen signs or symptoms, no hormonal issues in terms of testosterone and there's no cyst on her ovaries, am I really looking at a PCOS situation? And so if that's the case and I can look at examine all of those things, it's not PCOS. Okay. So now am I looking at PCOS? And the answer is yes. Now I want to know what type, because if I don't know what type, I don't know how to treat it. And I don't know how to steer a patient so that they can start making the best lifestyle changes for them. So is it the insulin resistant type? then yes. So if we're looking at insulin resistance, high glucose levels, high levels of insulin, but that insulin's not even working. So that's the, that's something we would find in a blood test. Next, we're looking at periods. How was that person's period before they started taking the pill? Did they have regular periods before the pill? Were they at regular intervals? Did they change? Did they become shorter? Did they become longer? What was the situation pre and post the pill? And so if it has changed dramatically in either direction, then we can talk about a post-pill polycystic ovarian syndrome presentation. The next question, are there any signs of chronic inflammation? So we're talking about 
heat signs. We're talking about migrating aches and pains. We're talking about looking at the tongue. Is the tongue red? We're looking and feeling pulses and we're looking at full pulses that happen to be just really, really big and fast. Does the person sweat a lot? Um, in general, there's a lot of signs of heat. How about their sleep patterns? We're looking at all different signs of heat and inflammation that manifests in pretty much every single body system. And if we do see signs of chronic inflammation, then yes, we'll be looking at an inflammatory PCOS presentation. And we're looking at other types of androgen, not just testosterone. And are we looking at how that those androgen levels and the percentages and how they correlate with estrogen and LH and FSH and all the different other typically female hormones and what their relationship is. Is DHEAS the only androgen? And that is an androgen that's typically found in females, but oftentimes more often found in males. And if that's the only androgen, then yes, we might have an adrenal PCOS presentation. So next week, we're going to start talking about treatment. And we're going to be talking about treatment from integrative approaches, as well as pharmacologic approaches and things that we can do, not just to address the symptoms, but also to address what the underlying cause is. So thanks for tuning in and we will see you next week. Take care. An important aspect of PCOS Awareness Month is advocacy, whether it's by sharing your individual fertility story or supporting other women challenged by a PCOS diagnosis. This month of September gives all of us the opportunity to join the conversation. Share your experiences to empower and uplift other women. Remember, empowered women empower women. See you next week.